How's everybody doing? Glad to see everybody. I'm, I'm blown away a little bit, but I shouldn't be. But the Lord is so good to kind of um, speak. I love it when the Holy Spirit speaks, you know, because me and Paul always tend to kind of, hey, what you getting? What, what are you getting, you know, for the service, you know? And he starts sharing over here while we were, you know, just during the worship, he started sharing something about a river and thirst. And I'm like, that's interesting. And I'm about to give the punchline because my last verse of this message is John 7. And in verse 37, now on the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And we began to discuss this amongst ourselves, and it felt like the Lord was really speaking about a hunger and a thirst, and he shared with me what he shared with y'all about the homeless guy and just the need for thirst. And, um, and then I said, yeah, it's kind of like uh, Psalms 42, as the deer panteth for the water brook, so my soul longs for you. And within, I don't know, 30 seconds to a minute, Margaret breaks out singing that verse. I mean, you just can't make that stuff up. The Lord is speaking some stuff. And I, and I, I just want you to know that God is speaking. He's got something in store for us today. And I'm going to start it like this. I will come back to that verse. But um, I have been seeing the number 50 like crazy for the all, 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 almost all year long, really for, I guess, about February, March going onward, I started seeing the number 50, and I'm like, Lord, okay, what is that about? And Because I, I see it so much, so often, that it's not a coincidence anymore. It's just like one of those things that every time I turn around, I see this number, and it's just like a blaring sign. And obviously, there's, you know, there's Jubilee, the 50th year. But I had no clarity until recently, and I was talking to my dad, and he mentioned something. And when he did, you know how when someone says something, it just is like it goes off inside of you, like, oh, my gosh, that's it. Well, that's the way this was. And it, and it was talking about we were discussing the Holy Spirit coming. And it's called Pentecost because in the Greek, that word Pentecost comes from the Greek word, which means it's like penna. I can't even pronounce this, but it's something pentatuki. <laughs> Pen, what? Pentateuch or Pentateuch, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's, it's where we get our word Pentecost, and it's 50 days. It means 50 days, okay? Well, what happens is in the Old Testament, they had three major feasts. They had the Passover, okay? That was the first one, and that was, you know, fulfilled when Christ Jesus died on the cross as our Passover lamb to take away the sins of the world, Okay, so that was fulfilled there. And then you have the second one, which is the, the Feast of Weeks, which is where we derive Pentecost from. It's, in the Greek, it's the Greek word Pentecost, so that it's not said in the Hebrew. But the, the, the Jews would, once the Sabbath, or and there was some discussion as to, depending on if you were a Sadducee or a Pharisee, you would, you would determine this day differently. But regardless, it ended up working out to where it fell on the same day, it, it appears. You know, there is some debate among that. But for the most part, people believe that Jesus died on a Friday. 
he rose on a Sunday, right? The Sabbath was Saturday. And so they start counting from that Sabbath, that high, it was a high holy day, which means it was a double Sabbath, which means that it in line, see, anytime you're on the Passover, and I know I'm jumping around, sorry, on the Passover, once you sacrifice the lamb at sundown, you had entered into a holy Sabbath. It was a special Sabbath because it doesn't matter whether it was Saturday or not, it was a, now a Sabbath, okay? Most Sabbaths for the Jews landed on Saturday. Sundown Friday night into sundown Saturday, that's the Sabbath. But for the Passover, you had an automatic Sabbath right after the Passover, no matter what day of the week Passover fell on. But in this case, because it was a high holy day, it when, Jesus, when the Passover came at Jesus' death, the high holy Sabbath landed on an actual Sabbath. And, they call, and you can see that in the book of John where he called it a, a high Sabbath or, or a high holy day. It was, a, it, it was a, a special Sabbath because of that. So regardless of your belief, we know that that Saturday was the Sabbath and they count 50 days. On the 50th day, the disciples were in one accord in the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit came. Okay? Um, so there is a Jewish tradition um, that, was, that is believed that when Moses came from Sinai and gave the law, that it happened during the Feast of Weeks, which would be our Pentecost now as believers. So it is believed that the law was given through Moses in the same period of time. Sorry, guys, I know it's hot. I see you fanning it. Yeah. <laughs> The, the AC's out here, but it's not out there, so we're going to get it fixed this week, but uh, sorry, it's hot. But hey, at least we got a building to meet in, right? A lot of people don't have that. There's people meeting out in the field this morning in different places in different parts of the world, so we're blessed. Um, what did I say? Oh yeah, Moses was given the law, thank you. So he gave the law, it is believed, Jew, you know, Jewish tradition, Jewish custom is that he was giving the law. What is interesting was the law was God's finger writing the law in tablets of stone, right? Y'all know that? He, bring, he comes down from the mountain with the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. He comes down from the mountain and he finds that the children of Israel had, while he was up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, that they had that they had become concerned. They didn't know where Moses was, and so they had Aaron make a golden calf so that it would be an image of the God that they were worshiping, which God clearly did not like, and he had said not to do. And so when he comes down, he finds the children of Israel in, in spiritual harlotry, bowing down, and, and it says that they had, they had lost control of themselves. They had given themselves over to something wicked, and Moses threw the tablets down, and they were broken. So it was a picture of the law being broken when Moses came down the mountain. Are you all with me? When the Pentecost had fully come, on that, on that day when Moses came and he gave the law, it said that 3,000 people were killed because of their lawlessness. How many know that the law brings death? Right, But when the Holy Spirit came, 
he fulfilled a scripture out of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel, it talks about Ezekiel, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 31, 33. He says, I will write my law upon your minds and upon your heart. And so when the Holy Spirit comes, he infills his people, and all of a sudden they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they are had God's law now written on their hearts. And on that day, 3,000 people came into the church. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. At the exact fulfillment of the Feast of Weeks, when Moses had given the law and 3,000 people died, and then now the new covenant came, Christ died and shed his blood for us to be free from the law, and the Spirit comes and he writes his law upon our hearts, and now all of a sudden 3,000 people are brought into life and are added to the church. How amazing God is. I mean, that's amazing. You can't make that up. That's just incredible. And what I would like to look at, and honestly, if, if the Lord leads this way, and I kind of feel like he might, I just want to take the month and just magnify the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is everything to us. And I want to talk a little bit about that. What an amazing thing that the Spirit of the living God has come to us. Okay? I'm going to teach a little bit, but then I want to invite us into something because I believe the Lord is pouring out His Spirit. I mean, the Scripture is very clear. In the last days, He will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. Didn't He say that? Well, it can't, we've got to be closer to the last days than the early church. It's not like He just did it once and He stopped. Because in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. God wants to release a flood of His Spirit in the earth. He even promised that just as the waters cover the seas, so my Spirit will cover the earth. He wants His Spirit to have His way in His people. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. It's the Spirit. Now, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. So y'all hang with me. Thank you for putting up with this. I know it's hot. Um, it's affecting me. I'm like, I got two t-shirts on, which now I regret. And, uh, well, y'all would fall into the category of my mother-in-law. Whenever I go to her house, it is instant sweat as soon as I walk in the door. (laughs) Um, but she also wears a turtleneck and a sweater in summertime, just saying. Um, yep. So if she's watching me right now that I'm in trouble because she may be. Um, all right, so let's look at something for a minute. What was Jesus' purpose? I mean, obviously we know he came to die for the sins of the world. But John the Baptist pointed to that. He did say that, you know, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But there's something else that he, he describes Jesus about, and it's written in every single gospel concerning what John had to say about Jesus. In Matthew 3.11, in Mark 1.8, in Luke 3.16, all basically says the same thing. In John 1, 32 and 33, it goes into it a little bit more clear. And that's where I'm going to turn, John 1, 32 and 33. But the thing that every one of them says is that John said that I baptize with water, 
but one is coming whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, and it's he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Some of them say, and with fire. Okay? But John chapter 1, verse 32, it says, John testifying, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I think that's kind of amazing. Because God could have spoken anything to John about Jesus. You know, there's a lot of aspects, that many things that Jesus did But the main thing that he highlights in all three Gospels is that Jesus was the one that would baptize in the Holy Spirit. Have you given thought to that? That was John's expectation. And I would just throw out there for any Bible scholars in here, it's my opinion that that's part of the reason why John doubted in prison was because he was so convinced that this was Jesus' ministry and he didn't see it with his eyes. Because it hadn't happened yet. But that was his highlight. Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And he gets thrown in prison, and he's seeing the the, the dead raised. He's hearing about the dead being raised and the eyes opened and all this stuff. But he was not seeing that thing that he was expecting, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's my opinion. Don't know that. It's an argument from silence, but it's still my opinion. And he highlighted this. Now, what's amazing to me here... And this is something I want to point out because I think this is worth mentioning. I think there's a lot about this that I don't understand. And I'm going to tell you up front, I don't understand everything I'm about to share with you. But I do see what I see. And I want us to think through this a little bit. I think it's important, you know, when you're a child and you're born, you may not understand the birth that you just came through. All right? But as you grow, you begin to understand the whole birthing process. And I think there's some value in understanding what we've been through. And I think there's also value in understanding it so that we can experience what, we, what God has for us. So, having said that, um, Jesus, we know from Luke 1 that Jesus Christ, well, we, we know this as believers. John 1 says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. You know, without him, nothing was made that was made. We understand that, you know, from John, from Colossians, you know, that all things were made through Jesus. We understand that Jesus was with the Father in the beginning. When he created man, it says, let us make man in our own image. There is, most believers are pretty settled on a trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All God, all part of the Godhead, a unit that works in unison and perfection as the greatest family that's ever existed. And that's hard to wrap your mind around sometimes because we don't have a lot that we can point to that. God is one, but yet he's three. But Jesus existed in a precarnate, which means pre-flesh, pre-coming in the flesh. He existed. And when Mary was given the decree by the angel saying, you will be with child, she asked the question, How will this be because I'm a virgin? She was not asking out of doubt. She was asking for understanding. And in her understanding, the angel said that the Spirit of God will come upon you, 
and the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and thus the, the child will be called the Son of God. Okay? You can see that in Luke 135 if, you're, if you want to go look this up, and I encourage you all to do. Um, Jesus existed as God, and he was born from the Spirit of God as a man. Okay? So his spirit man was in perfect unity with God. He was born of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. That's the point I'm wanting you to get. He was born of the Holy Spirit. And yet, John says, I'm going to repeat it, I did not recognize him. I'm going to back up a little bit. John testifies saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. We know from other passages talking about Jesus' baptism that a dove came down from heaven and settled upon him. It was the Spirit coming down in the form of a dove. It wasn't a literal dove. It came down as a dove is actually what it says. Um, so there's like this picture of a dove landing on Jesus. What that was, was that was Jesus being baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's, you know, I mean, I don't know if you ever think, think about that, but I don't know. Some people was like, what? He, Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit? I believe he was. Scripture is very clear. The Spirit came upon him and remained upon him. I gotta, I'm going somewhere, guys, so stick with me. I'm just, I'm just building, a, building a platform that we can put some walls up. Um, this is important, and I know mo most of the, you in here won't have an issue with what I'm saying today, but I do know that there's a good chunk of the church that does, and so I'm trying to build some understanding from the Scripture so that we know what we're how, what we're standing on, what our belief system's based in, so that we can help people come into what we know to be true, and that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, as Christians, there are some believers that believe that when you're born again, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm not one of those, okay? And I'm going to give you my opinion on why that is. But that's why I want to point to Jesus, that Jesus was born of the Spirit, at conception, and yet he still received a baptism where the Spirit came physically on him and stayed on him. He got clothed with power. There's not one recorded miracle in Jesus' life prior to this point. Now, do I believe Jesus did miracles as a child? I personally do. The reason I base that on, it's not written. I only base that upon is why would Mary know to come to him to turn water into wine if she hadn't seen something? That's my only reason for that. But there's nothing written about Jesus walking in power until he got baptized and the Spirit came upon him. And it talks about him. The Spirit immediately took him out into the wilderness to be tested. And when he came out of the wilderness after fulfilling that test, it says he came in the power of the Spirit. There is a power, a dutimous power of the Spirit that God wants us to walk in. Without it, we're going to have a weak ministry to the world. I got Muslims I was been talking to this week, or this, you know, 
Why are they going to believe anything I say about Jesus if I can't demonstrate a reality of the power of the kingdom of God? They've been taught their whole life that, I, that, that, that one thing, and that why would they just take somebody's word for something? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus said that. He said, if you don't believe me, at least believe because of the works that I do. The very works testify as to who I am. Okay? So, Jesus was, you know, was born of the Spirit, then he was baptized in the Spirit. Turn over to John 20. That it helps, it's a part, it's a variable in my opinion that there's a difference between being born again and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me define being born again. You know, Jesus made it very clear that unless you're born again or born from above, you know, you don't enter the kingdom of heaven. First Peter says that we have been born again of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. Okay? When you put faith in the Lord Jesus, at that moment that you turn to him and you receive the seed or the word, it comes inside your spirit and your spirit is born brand new on the inside, your spirit man. And you're now, in my opinion, and I, I, I don't have time to f- support this right now. I've done it before. But I believe that at that moment, your spirit man, not your flesh, not your, your soul, your mind, will, emotion, but your spirit man is made perfect. Okay? At the point that the spirit, you've, been, you've now received Christ's righteousness. You're not born of incorruptible seed. See, I mean, you're born of incorruptible seed. It's not corruptible. It's inside of you. You've been born again. Now, when you look at John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus had just resurrected from the dead, all right? And he comes into a room filled with disciples, and this is what he says to them in verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Just as a visual, and just to mess with Paul a little bit, because... I'm going to breathe on him. <laughs> He's a germaphobe, so I'm loving this. <laughs> I, there's people that believe different things. Some people believe that he came up and like got right in their face, just like God did on Adam when he put his mouth on his mouth and breathed in his nostrils. I'm not doing that. But he's there, and he breathed. He says, and they're and they're I can see what I see is he's breathing and they're going just like Adam took his first breath. Now they're breathing in the spirit. You think if Jesus breathes on you and he says, receive the spirit, you think you're not going to receive it? I mean, I guess it's possible because we have choice. I mean, there could have been somebody said, I'm doing this. And they couldn't receive anything. But those disciples are looking at the resurrected Christ that they just saw crucified three days later, earlier. And he's breathing on them the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God came inside their spirit. And they were born again. This was the first time man could be born again because Christ has the first time Christ was resurrected from the dead. You can't believe in the resurrected Christ until he resurrected. Now they saw the resurrected Christ and they believed in him. They received the spirit and their spirit was made perfect. 
The beginning of the church was right there, in my opinion. But interesting enough, what did Jesus tell these same disciples? I'm going away, and I want you to tarry in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father has come. What do you, what do you mean? You just said, you receive the Spirit. Remember, Jesus was born of the Spirit, and yet he was endowed with a, a, a spirit, the Spirit of God that came upon him mightily. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He was anointed. You know what anointed means? When they anointed a king in the Old Testament, they would take oil and they would pour it over the head of the king, and it would run down their whole body. They would get soaked in this oil. Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. There was something that came all over him that was beyond what was just inside his spirit, man. To further back this up, so in Luke 24, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read this scripture. You can if you want to. But Luke 24, Jesus is telling the disciples what's about to happen. Verse 49. He had just told them that they're going to, you know, preach repentance for the forgiveness of sin, proclaim it in his name to all the nations, beginning with Jerusalem. He says, you're witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of the Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. They were to stay. These are the people that just received the Spirit of God. And yet they were to stay in the city until they were clothed with power from on high. There's no mention of anyone praying in tongues. There's no mention of the, or the apostles prophesying. Now, prophecy did take place under the Old Testament. It did take place in various functions. But there's no apostles or anything. There's no mention of only apostles until after the Holy Spirit was released. Now, it did happen in, in the New Testament with the... Um, when Jesus was presented as a baby in the temple, there was prophecy that went on. Prophecy does move. But this being poured out the Spirit in such a way that every man and woman has now got access to something that releases the power of God, that was not released on wholesale. It was not. And this is the part I don't understand about, but I do see this clearly that Jesus filled these guys with the Spirit, and yet he expected them to receive something else in the book of Acts. Let's turn over to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. And I'm almost done. You know, there's something about being welcome. I'm just going to say that. I like going places that I feel welcomed. You ever been to a place you don't feel welcomed? It's not fun. I believe it's important that the Holy Spirit feels welcomed any place he is. And I do want to spend time honoring him. He's not a it. He's a he. Jesus clearly said that. And, um, and in honoring him, I, you know, I, I believe if we could make this place where we so welcome and honor the Holy Spirit that he just wouldn't want to leave. Wouldn't that be amazing? Acts 1.8. But you will receive power. 
Interesting. Same thing. Jesus said in Luke, you'll be endued with power. You'll be clothed with power from on high. And here it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So they're there waiting for power to be his witnesses. They're waiting to receive power. And when the Holy Spirit finally came, and I, I, I plan, God willing, I plan later on this month when I share again to go deeper into this. This is just like an introduction. And I want to talk about the gifts of the Spirit and all the ways the Spirit moves in our midst and honor those things and... and um, because I want to honor him. And I don't want to, you know, there's people that are ashamed of tongues. There's whole denominations that reject tongues because it's, uh, it, it's probably a little embarrassing to them. And I get that. I do. But I don't want to ever be embarrassed by something that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Golly, what a slap in the face. God brings us something. He clearly spells it out in Scripture. It's the first sign of the Spirit showing up, and there's whole denominations that reject it because, for numerous reasons, but I think the bottom line is it offends them. It offends their mind. I get that. I'm human. My mind gets offended all the time at God. But my mind has to change, not God. You know? So I honor praying in tongues. Paul said I pray in tongues more than all of you. So, when the Holy Spirit fell, the, all these apostles and all the 120 got filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to pray in other tongues. They had tongues of fire, and power got released. And now Peter, who was ashamed of Jesus because of a little slave girl, all of a sudden stood up to over who knows how many people, but we know that 3,000 of them got saved, so we know it was at least a pretty big crowd, and he's standing up declaring boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ. What happened? The Spirit came. The Spirit came. And so here's how I'm going to end this. Turn over to, to John 7. And this is where I think we're getting back to what the Lord was speaking at the beginning about the thirsting and the hungry. Um, there are some people that have, even in our midst, I know, that have never literally had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's many people that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit but still have never experienced it. God wants us to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Trying to live life without the baptism in the Holy Spirit as a Christian has to be the most frustrating existence of anything you're trying to do all these impossible things that Jesus tells you to do, and you have no power to do it. How hard is that? The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not being born again, not the Spirit coming inside your spirit. That's the new birth. I believe there's a distinction. I think I've briefly covered that. That Scripture at least gives plenty of evidence to make you see that there's a, a, a separation between the being born again in a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Being, being clothed with power from on high. Being clothed is to put something on. You're clothed. The Spirit being born again, that comes on the inside. The clothing is the outward 
anointing of the Holy Spirit to do what you couldn't do otherwise. Jesus needed it. The Son of God, who was God, who was born of the Holy Spirit, needed a baptism in the Holy Spirit. How much more do we need the Holy Spirit? Paul, even mentioning in the Galatians, he said, he said you know, once being born of the Spirit, are you going to try to fulfill it in the law? Walk this thing out in the law? Was it not the Spirit that did miracles in your midst? So bringing this around, um, John 7, Jesus says something, and I want us to end on this. Now, the Lord may want to do something else, and he has permission. Holy Spirit, do whatever you want to do. You're welcome here, and this is your meeting. Now, on the last day, this is verse 37. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, He got loud about it, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given. That word given is not in the Greek. what happens is the way it literally reads is for the Spirit was not yet. What they were trying to say, obviously the Spirit existed. What they were trying to say was that the Spirit was not yet available because Jesus was not yet glorified. So upon Jesus' glorification, He said it was better to you that I go away. John 16. It's better that I go away. For if I go away, I will send the Spirit to you. Jesus said it's better for us that he go to heaven and send us the Holy Spirit. In this verse, when Jesus is crying out, the first thing he, he, you know, it's interpreted for us by, by John. He says, but this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit were not yet available because Jesus was not yet glorified. Everything he's saying here, he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, according to John. So let's look at what he's saying again. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty. Well, if we're talking about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what's the first thing you got to do based on that verse? That's right. Are you thirsty? I always get in trouble when I'm not hungry for the Lord. Anytime I'm, my hunger wanes or dwindles through the, you know, you know how life is. You know, you get busy doing stuff and sometimes your, your vision of the Lord gets clouded for, you know, and and when in that place of cloudiness, whether through busyness or whatever's going on, you know, your, your hunger for the Lord, your vision of Him, and your, that thing that drives that excitement and zeal or our life for God, when He begins to get veiled a little bit, all of a sudden there can be a... It just, that's usually when I experience more struggle. When I am on fire, hot pursuit, my, the, the eyes of my heart are open clear, and I can see Him, and I'm in hot pursuit of what I see, it's harder for the enemy to mess with me. 
Because even if I'm going through something with the enemy, I really don't care because I'm so focused on him. But when I lose vision and I'm not hungry and thirsty, that's usually when I get in trouble. Most people's unwillingness to receive the baptism, most people's, and I've seen this over and again, God is a gentleman. He's not going to just throw something on you that you don't want. Jesus in the Revelations is standing at the door of his own church knocking. It says, and if anyone will open up, I will come in and dine with him. There has to be something in us that so wants it, that is so hungry for the Holy Spirit that we're willing to pursue this thing, to go after it. I want you, Lord. I want the Spirit of God in my life. If you don't want it, and I'm not, I'm not talking about being open. Lots of people are open for things that they'll never get in God. I mean, what is it, what a scripture over and over and over and over and over again gives us the, the message that we have to be hungry. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be open to you. Those Greek words are if you continually seek, if you continually knock. First uh, uh, Corinthians 14, 1. You know, it talks about earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, gifts of the Spirit. That's a hunger that would, that, that word literally means lust. You have to lust for the Spirit. God gives you permission to lust for one thing and one thing only in the Scriptures, and that's the Holy Spirit. Long for His power. Long for His presence. Long for His, the gifts of the Spirit. And that's the first thing that we have to be. We have, you know, Paul was talking about leaking. We know, we need, in the Scriptures, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and so we'll go into this later on in the month, but there is an infilling that takes place on your first baptism, but there, we do leak. That power, we don't leak in our spirit, man, but that clothed with power, sometimes we have to be filled afresh, which Paul constantly said, be filled with the Spirit. There's an infilling that sometimes I'm like, Lord, fill me afresh. Fill me anew with power. Lord, I don't know what happened, but I, something, I'm, I'm definitely leaking. I, I can feel it. I need, some, I need to be filled up again. And the first response to do, or the first thing that needs to happen to do that is to be hungry, to be thirsty, to want this. So Jesus says, for anyone who's thirsty, come to me. And he who believes in me, you have to believe in the Lord Jesus. And in that moment, the river will flow inside of you and, the, and the, the river will flow out. So if anybody would like to, who, to be filled for the first time, or if you would like to be filled anew with the Spirit of God, and you want it, you don't stand up for me because that won't do you any good. And don't stand up for the person beside you because that ain't going to do you no good. But if you're wanting more, I believe the Lord wants to pour out his spirit afresh and anew for us today. I sound good? Who wants that? I do. I'm standing up. I want more. What's interesting is that it was said about Jesus that he had the spirit without measure. Without measure. You couldn't measure it. There was, he had it all. I think there's room for us to have a little more. So if you want a fresh infilling... Just stand up. We're going to pray. We're going to invite him in.